show you the error message that uh, it sent me, though, so I'll put it in. Uh, I'll uh, send it to you in the chat, but it uses a very funny tech terminology I've never heard before. <laughs> critical chunks of Tim Murphy's <laughs> recording. I know. Suggest Tim chunks. Murphy to, re-chuck the, to recheck their system resources and reload. Yeah. Critical chunks is a... That's a hardcore band playing at Warp Tour, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking it's like a good afternoon feature on an alternative station's uh, Crit- alternative radio station. That's Critical your, chunks. That's your that's your alt station's uh, alternative for get the lead out. Critical yeah. chunks. All the music you need to hear. Critical chunks this week. It's Nickelback again. All the, we're playing. A you critical... went to Nickelback for critical <laughs> chunks, man. No, it's Nickelback no. every week. It's oh Nickelback no. Every week. <laughs> we should. Should we get going? Yeah, yeah. Let's <laughs> get into it. Welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's a show about one thing: watching curb your enthusiasm for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about season six, episode four, the Lefty Call. But before that, what's the deal with stuff from our last episode? What was it called? Um, the, oh, the Ida Funkhauser Roadside Memorial. That's why I couldn't remember. It was so damn long. Uh, we didn't have any homework, and there's no book. So instead of the book, I'm introducing what is officially a new segment that we'll probably be able to do every week. I'm going to call it Curb Your Continuity, where we point out the egregious continuity errors that uh, exist in the Curb Your Enthusiasm universe the uh things that happen that contradict other things that have already been well established like you know uh i was reminded of this one in a a brief internet search that sammy is referred to as a he in the first episode of the series and then uh yeah and then becomes a daughter uh of course (laughs) jeff and Susie are supposed to have a second child which we talked about at length a couple episodes ago jeff and Susie's baby that ceases to exist uh larry's dumb hat that he made fun of another guy wearing which isn't necessarily so egregious like i could see larry just being a giant hypocrite uh you know that's certainly in his character so uh but what about dr Sidney levine being in the newspaper story and not anything having to do with dr mark um or in how in last week we talked about in the season five finale richard lewis is so attached to his golf clubs that he refuses to lend them to larry and yet in season six the very next episode jeff and larry take him golfing and he knows nothing about it and he's never been golfing before. <laughs> so in this episode, the I- uh, Funkhauser Roadside Memorial, Marty's mother is killed crossing the street in her wheelchair. However, in The Weatherman, season four, episode four from 2004, Marty Funkhauser mentions at his father's testimonial that his mother passed away 10 years ago. Oh. Uh, maybe he remarried or something. <laughs> or perhaps we should just curb your continuity. So that's all That's all I got from trivia and tidbits and homework and everything. I like it. I approve yeah. of the new feature. I'm, I'm certain we'll be able to do it quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. I also uh, I also like the, the out tag. Oh, what's that? That's it? <laughs> well, no. I, 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 I guess well, that means you didn't, do this, uh, you didn't do this on purpose. But, I mean, you took the name of the show. Oh. And you're like, I guess you should just curb your continuity. Curb your continuity. Yeah. We'll close it out. <laughs> 
Oh my god! All right, anything, uh, anything new or news? I, I've, I've got something, but what do you uh, got? I'll, I'll let you. I got something too, something unless first. it's the same thing that I got. Uh, I, I don't know, but uh, since the last time I talked to you, uh, I was on TV for an entire week, yeah. even plugging the podcast one of the days, which I, I put the video of, I believe, up on Twitter at No Hugging. So shout out. Uh, if my co-host for the week, Abigail, is listening, I highly, highly doubt that she is. <laughs> she'll start with this one. But maybe yeah, like, you know, 10 start, years from now. <laughs> she'll start with this episode. Yeah. Okay. Uh, no, I, um, I, I, I was given the opportunity to uh, co-host a weekday talk show for a week. And she co-hosted my show uh, through the same week. Uh, but it was, a, it was a lot of fun. You know, I uh, I don't have much TV experience, but uh, they were saying like getting someone in there, you know, who knows broadcasting uh, is uh, I I don't want to say like a, a welcome change, but they said yeah, it's nice to get someone in here who just kind of knows what I don't know media is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I always I always liked hearing that too when people were like, oh, thank God, like you know, <laughs> it's just such a breath of fresh air and. I was always I was always a little bit insulted that that you know like I was like what you know what did you expect <laughs> like I'm a broadcast <laughs> professional. <laughs> well, yeah, but I I feel like they they uh, a lot more than we do like in TV compared to radio. They work with a lot more uh, non media people. Yeah, you know wh- yeah. where we uh, we as talents in radio we weren't that client forward. Like it was mostly salespeople who were client forward. Yeah. Whereas people in TV, they're the ones always out and talking to people. That's I mean, true, TV obviously true, yeah. has salespeople as well, but you know they're they're seeing the people on TV. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're just hearing us on radio. Yeah, and they put on a lot more. You know, like we'll put callers on or whatever, but that's a much different thing than like going out to a news story and and talking to bystanders or getting man on the street audio or or whatever. Um, yeah, so I, I can understand that. But I did. I uh, it's been retweeted a few times, and I retweeted and said my silhouette is famous because our uh, <laughs> our cover art was on there. So that's yeah, cool. They, they were asking me like, "Oh yeah, do you have like any video of of you guys doing the show?" And I'm like, "Uh, not really. <laughs> I can get you like audio, and I can do like a, a waveform video, but that's about it. We don't really do video on the show." And they're like, "Ah, yeah. oh, dang." Yeah. So they just had to like flash the cover art. I'm like, "Man." Oh well, maybe yeah. maybe one of these days I'll uh, I'll talk you into doing video, Tim. Hey, I'm I'm talked into it. Okay, I got no problem. As okay. long as people don't mind seeing me in my jammies, that's that's mostly what I'm in and uh, on Sunday mornings, <laughs> wearing my jammies. But yeah, no, I I was um, I'm fine with video. Not that we do anything too interesting, but yeah. The, so the news that I had was that uh, Democrat Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has entered the race for 2024 um i mean biden says he's running again but uh, a couple of democrats have entered the race and of course uh, robert is this this the guy who's a democrat in like quotations like very heavy quotations yeah probably i mean first of all he's like an anti-vaccine conspiracy theorist oh Uh, hell yeah love that (laughs) yeah i know Uh, but, you know, at least we got some young blood in the game because he's a sprightly 69. He's, you know, most notably, maybe, uh, besides the fact that he's a Kennedy and uh, anti-vaccine and also other uh, engages in other uh, conspiracy theories, is the fact that 
He is Mrs. Cheryl Hines. Oh, Jesus Christ. So if his long shot... Wait, mi- mis- Mr. Cheryl Hines? Oh, I'm sorry. He's Mr. Cheryl Hines. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hey, I don't I don't know. You know, I, I don't want <laughs> yeah. to assume. Yeah, exactly. By the way, he's been anti-vax since way before it was cool because 15 years ago, <laughs> he started... He started fixating on that. So he's, you know, he's been in the anti-vax game for a long time. Actually, you know, way before, like, you know, Cheryl should have known better. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. (laughs) Like, she knew who she was marrying. She didn't marry some guy, and then all of a sudden he's like, uh, Bill Gates put a microchip in your arm or whatever. Uh, No. So that's the weird thing. I'm I'm assuming he was full on board the vaccines cause autism train. Yeah, I'd imagine. Yeah. (sighs) Uh, Cheryl, Cheryl, Cheryl. He's repeatedly invoked Nazis and the Holocaust when talking about measures aimed at mitigating the spread of COVID-19, such as mask requirements and vaccine mandates. Yeah, Yeah. totally the same thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, it's a long shot, but First Lady Cheryl Hines... Could be something that uh, that we're dealing with in, in an alternate universe anyway. <laughs> more than a 0% chance that it happens. Yeah, that's true. It's not zero. It, it could happen. So I, I found that uh, a bit of very interesting real-world Curb Your Enthusiasm news. Or, I mean, hey, if you're if you're Robert Kennedy, it's Nazi-ro. Oh, Nazi-ro. <laughs> Got it. That was real bad. That was no, so I, bad. No, that's my, my favorite. That's my favorite. <laughs> I love that pun. Not, it's not... It's not my favorite, but it's one of my favorites to pull out because <laughs> people do not see it coming. Uh, <laughs> Tim. Okay, so I think that's all the news and stuff that we had. Yeah, I, I I believe so. Okay, if you have never listened to us before, we are not a research-heavy show despite the last 40 minutes. <laughs> Dear Lord, being uh, almost exclusively homework and bullshit being exclusively research and bullshit. We like to have our questions pop up naturally in the run of the episode and assign them to ourselves the week following as though we are giving ourselves homework. I've never seen these episodes before. Tim has never seen these episodes before in the last 16 years. If we miss anything, if we egregiously skip over anything, please send us an email or send us a tweet. It's at nohugging on Twitter or nohuggingnolearningshow at gmail.com. Both of those links are down in the description. If you like us, you can give us a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts or a five-star rating over on Spotify. If you like us a little bit more than that, you can join us over on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash nohugging, where for five bucks a month, you can join the It's a Hyundai tier. And that five bucks a month gets you early access to extended versions of the episodes. Could be anywhere from you know, a few minutes longer to this episode. Gonna have a lot of stuff <laughs> cut out of it. I'm I'm almost certain of it. Um, but that's where you're gonna be able to hear all of that. In addition to the early access to extended episodes, you're gonna get Patreon-exclusive movie reviews from the Seinfeld Extended Cinematic Universe. Could be... Uh, that it shares a common actor with Seinfeld. Could be that it shares a common actor with Curb Your Enthusiasm. Or maybe it just doesn't share anything with anybody. And we just wanted to do it. That's that's a lot less likely. We, we normally try and find some some connection. Mm-hmm. Which reminds Again, me, do you, want to, uh, do you want to do that next Tuesday? Let me know. You don't have to let me know right now. But I think I'm good next Tuesday. After that, like my wife starts traveling a ton. And, and um, I could do this time on Tuesday. We can, yeah. Let's okay. just set it. Let's set it in stone now. All right. All right. Next Tuesday, this time. Yeah. Do you want to do what movie? Do you want to do? Do you want a movie do that everyone hated that I love, or a movie that some people liked, or did I, I, I want to? I want to do a movie that you love that you think I'll hate. Okay. All right. That's tough because I mean, 
you know, we have very similar tastes. That's kind of why we're, you know, doing <laughs> doing this. <laughs> so yeah, that's what you get on Patreon. Five bucks a month. It is patreon.com slash no hugging. And a new movie review sounds like coming your way by the time you listen to this. Most mm. likely, if you're listening to this on the free feed, it's probably already up. all right all of that being said season six episode four the lefty call original air date september 30th 2007 and if you're looking in tv guide that night you are going to see larry regrets getting richard lewis's girlfriend cha-cha a job near the office bathroom it's not bad we might not i mean i don't like that we get a a, a, an extra character name in there but uh, besides that, I mean, I don't know if that'll make it any better if we'll need to do that at the end. We'll see how we feel about it at the end, but we may not have to touch much of it. So we open with Larry visiting the aforementioned office bathroom, and he is stopped by the aforementioned Cha-Cha at the job that he recommended her for. She's obviously some kind of receptionist or something at this office in Larry's building. She makes completely inane small talk oh my and, god yeah. <laughs> yeah. just about like uh picture frames and where she got them she got them at ross they don't just have clothes they have home goods too and uh like, stuff like that who cares cha-cha I know. who cares also this but, is uh this is kind of how i feel with my desk being immediately across the very narrow hall from our office kitchen Mine is too. My cube is at like the crossroads of you have to like walk that way to go to the bathroom and you have to walk that way to go to the kitchen. Oh, God. So I could be the office cha-cha like, oh, got it. What are you doing in the kitchen? Get another soda? All right. (laughs) Or like, oh, got to go to the bathroom again, huh? Okay. And I got to admit, like I do kind of clock because you know I like my private bathroom time. That's the main reason where I'm like, like, well, when's the last time Dan... That's the guy I know, like who, like I noticed going to the bathroom. Well, not really, like Dan fuck. and two of the. You okay? Yeah. Oh, okay. my desk is so small. Fuck. <laughs> but I felt sorry. I I felt Larry and Cha Cha situation here because I do clock when people are going to the bathroom, and I'm like, because I like it to be empty. You know me. I mean, we've talked about that before. Um, I like to be in there by myself, but I do clock how often or when people are going, and I'm like, not not. In the way that Cha Cha does, but I'm like, oh, Dan's going again. Okay, all right. You know, I, not that I like keep a log or anything. Ah, log. That's kind of funny. Um. <laughs> you keep it in your hand, so you need to wait until Dan's out of the bathroom so you can dump exactly, it. Exactly. Yes, you get it. But no, I, I have the same kind of thing. But shout out to props to Tia Carrer for improving this inane small talk because it's really good. Like if she had to make that up uh, on the fly on top of her on the off the top of her head, she did a great job at it, which I imagine that she did because that's the way that the show works. So she works the office that she's working in is Bert's. He is a producer. And I like that she mentioned, you know, wanting to get into producing. You know, she's like, how do you how do you do that? Yeah. Receptionist to producer. Although I guess that probably does happen in Hollywood a lot. Oh, probably. Uh, probably a <laughs> yeah. lot more often than asking a person who's visiting your office that he does not work at simply to use the bathroom and asking <laughs> him for a meeting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know you. Why don't we can we meet sometimes? Like, yeah, yeah, sure. But I like that. She's like, oh, I'll put it in my Philo facts. It is. It's it is 2007. 2007. <laughs> Good Lord. It is 2007. It's 2007 you know. <laughs> in Los Angeles. Put it in your fucking iPhone or your BlackBerry. Your, yeah. I was going to say BlackBerry. Yeah, you at least have a BlackBerry. So finally, you know, Larry gets to go into the bathroom. And when he comes out, she remarks on how quick 
that he, uh, you know, how quick it was. Yeah, his business that's, in there. that's annoying. Like, yeah. oh, that was quick. I'm like, are you, are you timing me? I'm sorry. Yeah, the inane small talk is one thing, but actually tracking what is going on in there is, is a whole other level of uncomfortable. And, and Larry, like, kind of, you know, tells her, you don't have to comment. Please don't comment on, on what goes on in there or anything like that. He does kind of reprimand her. But, and then she starts talking about wanting to carpool together. And I loved, you know, Larry is, like, becoming shorter and more curt with her as the conversation goes on. Like, she has really tried his patience. And so she's like, how do you get here in the morning? Because I'm having trouble, you know, oh, maybe we carpool. You have one of those, I like that she calls his hybrid a healthy car. Yeah. You have one of those healthy cars. You have one right? of those healthy cars, right? How does that work? Yeah, and then he goes, you put your foot on the gas! He, like, yells it angrily as he's walking That was away. incredible. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I think Tia Carrera is doing a great job of going toe-to-toe with Larry David as far as acting goes. Over at Jeff's, Larry's explaining his bathroom situation. It's like having a bathroom monitor, having to check in with her every time he goes by. And he can't go at home because he hates that Cheryl has started using this environmentally friendly toilet paper. Uh, in and it you know I guess it's too rough or something uh, and they and it's not soft enough although I gotta say if I have a choice between soft or rough I like rough TP I don't know why I feel like I'm getting exfoliated and really clean down Jesus there Christ when oh it's rough God. I don't like it when it's soft it like <laughs> it breaks up you know and it leaves stuff behind like like the Charmin bears you know yeah um you know I don't because I don't mind using a lot of it like sorry to the NRDC even if I have to even if it's thin and rough and i have to really load up i'll do that but cheryl's tp doesn't sound that bad to me i gotta say but larry likes a soft pillowy as i think most people do because if you watch a toilet paper commercial that's it's all clouds and everything you know yeah i'm surprised i'm surprised with like you know the revelation in marketing over the last i don't know probably 10 years or so at this point where it seems there needs to be a man version of everything (laughs) I'm really surprised there hasn't been marketed like a toilet paper for men. Like it, it it's got stainless steel patterns on it, guaranteed not to yeah. rip as you finger your asshole. Um, th- there are Get up in there. Th- there are dude wipes, which I will admit I own dude wipes. I regularly purchase dude wipes because. Yeah. Because, you know, sometimes it's a little messy down there. Toilet paper can't get everything. And dude wipes are the largest, most durable bathroom wipe. Everything else rips so easily. You know, your finger goes right through it and whoopsie daisy, it's inside of you. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I, I, um, I'm surprised like you that there's not because that's totally a that would be a podcast product. Oh, a Joe Rogan today, absolutely brought to you by dude whatever. paper <laughs> dude or paper. Yeah. T- toy toilet paper, uh, g- guy, gu- yeah, guy, man. shit, guy, um, g- guy, testosterone, guy, shit, t- uh, paper, t- testy, um, ball. <laughs> Just trying try to workshop a name here. I know. Uh, these hmm. afternoon these afternoon shows, I'm not at my dude, best. Dude. <laughs> if anybody wants to invent that and have us sponsor them, obviously, <laughs> we'll do a we great are, job. We are down. We will do it. Yeah. We will do it on trade. <laughs> yeah. But I'm, I'm, I'm lucky in that way that I like that because a lot of, you know, offices and places you work and whatever, like they, they buy the cheapest shit possible. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I have no problem with that. 
Uh, I just I just maybe need to use a lot of it. Did you catch? So Jeff and Larry are going to lunch with Bert and his wife. All the all the guys and the wives are going out together, as we learned in a previous scene. And did you catch the horrible ADR as Jeff was leaving the scene? No. So oh god, Jeff goes. It's so great you have a restaurant in your building as they're leaving his office. And so I'm like, wait a second. I don't know why they needed to do that because it's kind of inconsequential to the plot, especially because for how fast and loose they play with plots normally. But are you telling me Larry went from his office over to Jeff's office and now they're going back to Larry's office? Yeah, what the fuck? What? Does Jeff, like, does he get too many DUIs or something and he can't drive? Like, what? (laughs) Why is this? I'm like, it doesn't make any sense. But I'm like, maybe they did that because we're going to think it's weird if Cha-Cha keeps popping up at this restaurant. But I I wouldn't think that was weird. I wouldn't think anything of it. I'm like, why did they feel the need to go back and loop that? Jeff going, it's so great. You have a restaurant in your building. Oh, thank goodness we filled that plot hole. We did it, everybody. I just thought that was really weird. Uh, so they do go to the restaurant that is supposedly in Larry's building, but it is actually L.A. Farm, which has been in three episodes so far, including season one, episode four, The Bracelet, another Richard Lewis heavy episode. And it's also the place where Larry refused to give the waiter captain a tip because he's just the guy that found their table. He's not the actual waiter. And also it's the place where Larry meets the groats syndrome auction winner for lunch and uh, starts talking about U.S. presidents or something like that and and if the guy ever pictures his parents having sex and things like that. So, yeah, and it won't be the last time we visit L.A. Farm anyway, but it's just also weird to me that they picked a restaurant that we've been to several times before as this supposedly new restaurant that is in Larry's building, which is so obviously not in Larry's building. I'm like, you know, uh, maybe maybe this falls under Curb Your Continuity. I don't know. But uh, Larry is there, and he's trying to get Cha-Cha fired. <laughs> he's just trashing her to Bert, saying, you know what? Uh, every time I go by, she's not on the phone. She's reading a magazine. She doesn't seem like she's working. Don't keep her on my account. Don't do it to be nice to me. Get rid of her. I don't care. <laughs> we learn in this scene that Bert and Barbara have nine kids, and that Bert's dad has opened a cool retro-style barbershop, and he wants Larry and Jeff to go and check it out. That's when the waiter comes up. AKA the late great Taylor Negron. Did you recognize this guy? I did. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know that he passed away. Yeah, I think in like 2015 or something like oh, that. Oh man, all right. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Um but I remember him from some great 80s movies, the great uh, John Cusack flicks like Better Off Dead or One Crazy Summer. What else was he in? I know there was one other thing that I was like, oh, yeah. Um, You know, just one of those great character actor, you might want to call him. And he is playing Davide, the waiter here. And he is about to wrap up Susie's leftovers for her until he finds out that they are for her dog. You know, I, I know this is like a really nice restaurant, but like I wouldn't tell an Applebee's waiter that. Like, I feel like that's just rude in any, you know, because he says to Susie, are you going to have a nice little lunch? And she's like, no, I'm going to give him to the dog. Like, I don't yeah. know. I just feel like yeah, I would. What that's, the fuck? Like, yeah. <laughs> I just feel like that's, that is an insult to. I feel like the restaurant has no say in what you do with it, but it is an insult to the restaurant if you're taking food home and you're just going to give it to the dog. Like, I don't know. You, she probably paid like 50 bucks for that steak. Um, not that the dog shouldn't have that, but just you, the restaurant doesn't need to know. But the waiter says that he will not wrap up food to give to an animal. It's just a restaurant policy. And so he will wrap it up for Larry if he promises that he's going to eat it 
and not give it to a dog. He makes sure that he doesn't have a dog at home and uh, he, there's no animal that's going to be eating this. And then he, he says before he takes it away, we shall see which is kind of an odd thing to say, everyone thinks. Uh, and that's when Larry gets up to go to the bathroom. And who is sitting there having lunch? I guess because the restaurant is in the same building. It's Cha-Cha. She's right by the bathroom. And she engages Larry in some inane small talk uh, before he goes in. He can't escape it. But uh, right before we leave the restaurant, there's this funny parking lot handoff of the leftovers between Jeff and Larry, which there's like some funny spy music playing in the background. I thought that was kind of a funny, funny scene. Uh, back in the office, Richard Lewis comes in, and he invites Larry on a double date. It's been a while since he and Cha-Cha have hung out with, with Larry and Cheryl. So, But Larry is uh, you know, standoffish about the idea, as you might understand, because of the way that Cha-Cha has been. He is sick of Cha-Cha, and he complains to Richard Lewis about her bathroom monitoring. And Richard Lewis is concerned after Cha-Cha told him how often Larry goes. And so she's bringing the bathroom monitoring out of the office and telling Larry, uh, telling Larry's friends and people that Larry yeah, knows. Yeah, that's, that's a big old no-no. Oh, like, monitoring God. in the first place is the no-no. But just making that part of your casual conversation, hey, did you know how much, how many times Larry David shits in a day? <laughs> no. And he's saying, it, I think he's saying it's like 14 times a day or something like that, which is a yeah, lot to go to the bathroom. that's a lot. <laughs> And so I like that Richard Lewis tells him he has bowel concern. I got bowel concern for you. <laughs> I thought that was funny. A little bit of like breaking happens in this scene, but only in the way that you might do when you're talking to a friend, you know. But I think Richard Lewis like knew what he was saying was kind of funny. Uh, and I, I liked that little bit of real life uh, shining through when he said that. But also, and th this has happened before, I don't remember what, but. Larry talks about how clean his colon is, and Richard says, oh, I got a video of mine at home. And then Larry's like, oh, I'll have a colon contest with you any day. And they had a similar exchange about comparing something like that. I don't remember what it was, though. Do you remember? Mm. They talk again about some kind of con weird contest like no, this. No, I don't, uh, actually. I don't remember. But a colon contest comes up. I'll have a colon contest with you. I like that, too. It wasn't anything to do with a kidney, was it? Yeah, maybe it was. I think it was Jeff and Larry talking yeah. about having having the healthiest kidneys yeah that sounds right i don't know how they what what the contest entailed but that does sound right but richard lewis won't give it up uh you know as much as larry doesn't want to talk about his bathroom habits <laughs> richard lewis does the math and he's like that means you're going 70 times a week <laughs> um and larry gets up uh, because now he has to go they've talked about it so much that he has to go he's like, you're going to the bathroom aren't you he's like no uh, and so instead of going, he does peek and notices that Cha-Cha is sitting right there monitoring the bathroom. And so he goes upstairs to use the bathroom. Larry does something in a uh, public restroom that I don't recommend. Put your face right in the bowl before you flush it. That's um, that's not recommended by the CDC, yeah, I would say. Uh, okay. Yeah, sure. I thought that was really weird that he shoves his face like directly into the bowl. I don't do that with my own toilet. No. You know, put my <laughs> face right in the bowl to flush it. Uh, because, you know, those, especially the, those droplets, especially with those uh, vacuum powered public toilets, those things fly, man. Uh, and so, but he does. And the toilet is so loud, it sends him aback. And uh, he is deafened by the flush of this toilet. So in a medical building, which I feel like we've seen before, it even had like a 575 on the front. And because we've seen it before, I didn't do any further research on it. But at the medical building, he's describing his pain the pain in his right ear to the doctor and bristles when in the course of the medical questionnaire, the doctor gets to the part about 
how much he urinates. You know, he's like, that's, you know, it's private. You know, is it, <laughs> is it a lot? You, you know, are you going a lot or whatever? And then the next question is, how's your stool? And so he's sort of like... <laughs> yeah, he, he finally, like, backs into answering the how many times are you urinating in a day question yeah. only to be greeted, okay, finally, how's your stool? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then he's like, whatever's normal. Whatever normal, it's fine. You know, I drink a lot of water. I eat a lot of salad. And he keeps referencing. He was like, the way he answers is, if your office was right near the bathroom, you might think I go a lot. I liked this scene because with the doctor's context, that's such a weird thing to say. And I thought it was pulled <laughs> off really well. That Like, the doctor's like, if I had an office by the... Why do you keep bringing that up? It's like, we have context for that, but... For the doctor, like, that's such a weird thing. And I like the way they drove that point home where there's a little bit more that happens in this scene. But the doctor's very puzzled every time Larry gives an answer like that. And his advice is, like, favor your left ear. If you or whatever, however favor is used in that sentence. If you have to favor an ear, go with your left ear. Don't use your right ear. Use your left ear. Yeah, avoid and... avoid loud noises in your right ear if at all possible. Yeah. yeah, so I guess that would be favoring your right ear and using your left ear in that case. And also... You know, maybe consider therapy about your bathroom issues. <laughs> when he said that, that's when it occurred to me that the doctor had hearing like if your office was hearing that multiple times. If your office was near a bathroom, you might think I go a lot. <laughs> God, that's, I, 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 I love the way this scene wrapped up too, because Larry's like, uh, I'm, I'm, I think he. I, I think he like declines therapy. He's like, "Well, I, I would like to see a different doctor." And the yeah. doctor's like, "Okay, you're you're fine. That's your right." You're like, well, "I'd like to see one right now." Doctor's like, "No, absolutely not. Got to make an appointment. Yeah. It's not fucking McDonald's." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this doctor was really good. Another great actor that went toe to toe with Larry in a great way. Um, because if he just threw in that therapy line, it was really, it was really funny, and it unlocked a part of the scene for me. Uh, so I, I appreciated it. But as Larry leaves the doctor's office, he encounters a skinhead in the waiting room who uh, calls him a Jew and also the F slur. Yeah. Oh, not just uh, not just calling him a Jew. Like he call like it's uh, uh, it calls Jew boy. Yeah, which Jew boy. I, I'm not comfortable saying. I might cut that out. Goddamn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. It, it's such a it's such a weird part of this episode that doesn't really come back in any meaningful way. They, they could have it, it just comes back so that Frolic can start playing. We didn't need this. We no. didn't need this storyline no, at all. No, not at all. Really weird. And it's also, you know, I don't as a you know, we always talk a lot as white cisgender males uh, and what is, you know, a, an aggression or not. Obviously, this is. But I'm like, are is this something Jewish people do encounter on the on the regular that like, of course, it shocked Larry to hear that. But like, are there skinheads out there that are just like doing that? Like in a doc, like going to the doctor and, and saying that like the skinheads see, has has health insurance and go to the same doctor as Larry <laughs> David and like, see, and then just calls out are, Jewish people. So much anti-Semitic hate right now yeah. in the world like it's coming from people who aren't you know outwardly skinheads it's coming from what about like, an... sweet old little ladies yeah. it's coming from businessmen it's coming from college kids you know it's coming from everybody but like that's the that's your everyday vanilla anti-semitism oh <laughs> like, my god you know, <laughs> but is that like sitting in a doctor's office and, and saying jew boy you know, like, is it was, like, is I don't know what my question is. Like, was the, in 2007, could you encounter that blatant of a confrontation? Oh, probably. In everyday life. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, 100%. I don't like that's what I wanna, don't want to say as a white cisgender, you know, Protestant male or whatever, like that. 
that that was out of, that I have to suspend my disbelief in that in you know in that encounter in that exchange you know um, like should I like I don't want to say that I that I have to but it just seemed like aggressive you know especially for a doctor's office like if it just happened on the street you know if he was on the street and and a guy said that I'm like okay well that's just a random street tough that is that is hanging out in the corner calling out Jews but uh, <laughs> but just reading. Us Weekly in your doctor's office, like, you know, just kind of a weird place to do it, I guess. It, it seemed it seemed weird, but also an unnecessary storyline, as as we'll uh, probably agree when we find out how it, quote unquote, pays off. Uh, so back at home. So after all of that, I have to say that the Blacks confront Larry. That's the family name. It's just like saying the Davids. Uh, the Blacks all confront Larry about the toilet paper. They are sick of this toilet paper that Cheryl brought into the house. They don't want any more of it. And so Larry says he will get them some soft toilet paper for their bathroom if he has access to it. And they agree to that deal that that will be because Cheryl's not going to use that, obviously, and, and there'd be no reason for Larry to use it. And so they can they can hide the good toilet paper in there and Larry gets access to it. So they agree. And then he explains to Leon what happened with the skinhead in the waiting room. <laughs> I got to admit, I like Leon's little monologue here about what Larry should have done. What he should have was got up in his ass. And he very colorfully explains that he should have opened his asshole, closed the door behind him, spray painted Larry David yeah, was here. Se- like it was just ste- so great. Step, step into that ass, yeah. spray <laughs> spray paint Larry David was here. Walk out of that ass. Don't close yeah. the door. You leave. Yeah. You leave that flapping so they know you were there. <laughs> he like, knows you were what? there. Yeah, re- get, bring newspaper, throw newspaper around, eat a Snickers bar, and throw the wrapper on the ground. I liked how specific that part of the, of the <laughs> method was. But I, I liked Leon. I liked uh, you know Leon's little monologue here about what Larry David should have done. <laughs> um, and as we'll find out, Larry will take it to heart. So Larry has to make a lefty call. He can't, on a phone call, make a call with his right ear because it's, it's gone bad. And so he lefty calls Richard Lewis, but Cha-Cha answers the phone in the middle of a workout. And he has trouble hearing with his left ear. And so they're talking about like going out on the date or whatever. And, and Larry asks her, he kind of misses the part, I think, where she said, I'm, I'm in the middle of a workout. And so when they're talking about the date, he asks her, what are you wearing? As we're to understand it, oh, what are you going to wear when we go out this okay. weekend? That's that, what I, yeah. That makes what sense. What are you wearing? Yeah. Okay. I was wondering that's, like, that's why the, the why the transition into what are you wearing? What what did I what did I miss? That ma- that makes total sense because I didn't even notice that he called her on the left ear and couldn't hear her and missed her saying that she was working out. That makes that makes perfect sense. Okay. Yeah, and it's not even that he can't hear, it's that he's so uncomfortable. He takes like he keeps removing the phone from his ear and shifting it around and it keeps falling off and and so like she asks, you know, when he asks what are you wearing, he takes the phone away from his ear when she says like um I don't know. That makes me a little uncomfortable. Did you say, what am I wearing? And that's all he hears. Did you see? And he's like, yeah, what are you wearing? And then he's like, <laughs> she's like, he's like moaning and sighing because he can't. He's like, oh, uh, mm. and she thinks he's like jerking it while he's asking what she's wearing because <laughs> he took the phone away when she talked about being uncomfortable. And so she's like, uh, I'm hanging up. And he's like, OK, bye. Thinking the conversation ended like completely normal, <laughs> so I did kind of think that was funny. What she hears on the other end of it with it, with his his weird little grunts and moans and sighs, having trouble phone up to his ear. Uh, so over at the Shave, which was at two thirty South Beverly Drive, and this place got a lot of good press. I, I think it opened around two thousand seven, 
and it was named by Ellie Magazine that year, Best New Take on an Old School Shave. And this place was kind of the retro, cool barbershop that we see in 2007. So it must have like just opened because I forgot this episode was 2007. Uh, and so it also went on in 2015 to win LA Magazine's Best of LA, Best Shave and Scotch, which uh, sounds great to me because my favorite barbershop of all time was in the Fondren neighborhood in Jackson where I could go and get just that. I would get my hair cut and they would like kind of do my, you know, I wouldn't get, I never got the full shave with a straight razor, but they would do your neckline with a straight razor, which I loved and my sideburns and stuff. And, and while I was getting my hair cut, I could have a glass of scotch, which was awesome. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, I loved it. It, it. I would like treat myself. And to me, it was expensive. It was like 35 bucks like every month or something like that. But it was like, you know, totally worth it to oh, me because I was like, God. I would I would leave smelling amazing. Yeah. And and uh, it was it was awesome. My my base level cut down here is 33 before tip. Yeah. You see, I, I've I'm a super cuts guy now. I just go and get and even that's is too expensive for me. It's it's getting to the point where I'm just gonna have to start doing it myself and like using my razor just on the largest setting it has and just going all over. <laughs> on, because yeah, I'm I'm like uh, twenty bucks just, is too much for what I got. Just 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 say goodbye to uh, all the hair up top and just trim it alongside the beard, same length. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> same so, length all over. Yeah, and I mean all <laughs> over. <laughs> This, by the way, for full service, for your full service uh, hair cut and shave and everything was going to be 95 bucks in 2015, I think I found. So, Ooh. you know, even for, for – that's expensive, but for Beverly Hills, I feel like it's cheap. Mm, um, I, I mean, I I have no real yeah. frame of reference for what anything in Beverly Hills costs that yeah. you know normally costs me X amount of dollars. Yeah, exactly. Even in 2015. Um, so – it is gone now. I don't know when it closed. Obviously, sometime after 2015. But it is now just Desi Jewelry. It's a jewelry store now. Um, and so Larry and Jeff are loving the experience, though. It reminds Larry of the barbershop he used to go to in Queens when he was growing up. And Jeff's sitting there reading a Playboy. It's like your classic retro barbershop. Larry is having a good time until Bert's dad mentions that his son and his wife suffered a miscarriage, uh, which Larry downplays because they already have nine kids. Yeah, <laughs> and, Jesus uh, Christ. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is one of those jokes, and, and maybe because, you know, my family has experienced uh, this, that I'm like, Larry really was not afraid to touch anything. You know, no. it's like, you know, he thinks of a premise and he just fucking does it, you know, <laughs> like no matter what. And I'm not even saying that I was like offended by it. Is it a joke that I would tell or that I laughed at? No, but I'm also not like canceling him over it. I want to make that clear. Like it, it's, I get, I get why he thought it was funny. As weird as that sounds. Um, was it, was it funny to someone who hasn't, you know, experienced that? Um, what I, what I even think, you know, it's one of those occasions where Larry David thinks something that maybe you should only or says something that maybe you should only think and then admonish yourself for, you know, those thoughts you have where you're like, come on, don't think like that. We're better than that. We're better. We're better people. than that. I don't know where that came from in my brain, but those are the kind of things that Larry David famously says out loud. That's his character on Curb Your Enthusiasm. So Bert's dad at this point had only like kind of snipped like one or two outlying flyaway hairs out of Larry's hair. And then he's like, all right, that's it. And Larry's like that. 
you, you barely did anything. And he starts like, ta- he takes the apron off and he starts like, Bernstadt starts like smacking his back like you would kind of softly to get rid of all those errant hairs. But then he starts like really beating Larry with the, <laughs> with the apron uh, and really slapping him with it hard. And he points to Jeff, who obviously is next in the chair, but Jeff goes, I'm good, and uh, leaves <laughs> following Larry. Uh, and so the cut was over after the miscarriage you know, statement that, well, you know, they already had nine kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, so back at Jeff's house, Oscar, Susie comes out and meets him in the driveway, and Oscar has just been shitting everywhere all day long after eating the leftovers from L.A. Farm. And their uh, assumption is that by saying, but Davide saying, we shall see after taking the leftovers to go box them up that he poisoned them. And so Larry has to go down there because he's the one who supposedly ate them. And I liked when Susie was like, you go down there and you tell him you've been shitting all day and you can't even make it to the toilet. and You're shitting in your pants. And I like Larry goes, why can't I make it to the toilet? <laughs> and Susie's like, it's more dramatic that way. It's so bad that you can't make it to the toilet. And he's like, I think I'd still make it to the toilet. <laughs> I like that he harps on this one fake part of the story that they're making up but he has to go tell davide that he's the one who ate it and that he's been shitting his pants uh and just to see if he'll admit that he poisoned it so larry does go down to la farm and confronts davide about it and we get a classic larry stare down davide is not as no one ever is davide is not intimidated by the stare down but larry says he's been on the toilet all day however davide can check with the bathroom monitor because cha-cha is there and she says that larry's only gone twice today Boo, boo, cha-cha, selling out Larry. Toilet narc, yeah. Uh, So Davide knows that Larry is not the one. But but also Davide is kind of told on himself because, you know, he knows that somebody must have been shitting their pants. Yeah, so, like, he's owning up to doing something. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. And, like, poisoning dogs is wrong. I don't care what your restaurant policy is. There's nowhere it's written on the menu where it's like, we poison our food in case you take it home to your dog. Like, what? Wait, wait a second. What? We put um, chocolate inside everything whenever you <laughs> yeah. ask for your leftovers. Meatloaf? Yeah. Chocolate. chocolate. Steak? Meatloaf. Chocolate. Pasta? Chocolate. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, that's still, you know, animal cruelty. It's still, you know, Larry can still press charges or Susie can or something like, just because you told them it's against policy doesn't mean you can actually poison an animal. Uh, so that's messed up. But back at home, the uh, family, the black family is on the bed uh, watching a movie and Larry has to use the bathroom. And so they all kind of stare at Larry <laughs> as he goes into the bathroom. And this was a good uh, cut to me because when Larry comes out of the bathroom, the family is like staring at him and he's like, what? And it's because Cheryl is standing there. And so Cheryl is obviously wondering what Larry is doing in there. And he tells her, he's like, oh, I'm trying to fix it. Or she's like, oh, well, let me check out your handiwork. And so Larry tries to, to beat the scene, but uh, Cheryl grabs him and finds the uh, environmentally unfriendly toilet paper that has been used in there. And part of the agreement was if Cheryl catches them, the fam- the black family was going down with Cheryl with Larry. But uh, that is not the case. They throw him under the bus immediately. Immediately. (laughs) So quickly. Yeah, which I thought was very funny. Like, no, no, we we didn't know. What? Environmentally. Oh, we didn't know that was going on. We we don't want to use that stuff. It's at that point, though, that Richard Lewis comes over during all of this. And he says that Larry hit on Cha-Cha. And when she didn't respond, he got her fired. This is where 
This is where the whole logic of the episode, whatever logic there is, totally jumps a shark for me. I'm, like, trying to, like, piece together, like, what the fuck Richard Lewis is talking about. And I'm like, even in the world of Curb, what he's saying makes no sense. He does kind of mix plot lines in a way that's weird, like, like he says, he says, oh, oh, well, first off, he calls Larry a fucking pervo, pervo. which is a great line. <laughs> but he said that because he told the barber, which is Bert's dad, correct? Yeah. yeah. Because Bert and Barbara had a miscarriage, yeah. Bert fired Cha-Cha. Because he didn't like Larry's joke. So but, that's one. That's one thread. Oh, and why did he fire? Why did he fire Cha-Cha? Yeah, but, but yeah, yeah. Why, why did why would Cha-Cha get fired? Because Bert's dad didn't like Larry's joke about his own wife. Why, well, Richard where, Lewis where says does, that where does Cha Cha come into this? Bert's dad and Bert want nothing to do with anybody who knows Larry, and so I feel like because the and I'm and I'm Oof. I'm not saying I agree with this line of thinking either, but yeah, because Richard tries to tie together two threads that don't go together. Did she get yeah. fired because? because Bert gave Cha-Cha a job to Larry as a favor, and now that Larry has fallen out of favor with Bert and his family, he has fired Cha-Cha. That's so much or, cleaner. That, that that makes it tie together. Yeah, which is one thing that Richard Lewis says. But he also says that Larry got Cha-Cha fired because Larry hit on her and she didn't respond, which it can't be both. No. Because if Larry told Bert to fire Cha-Cha, Larry don't, doesn't like Bert. I mean, Bert doesn't like Larry to the extent that he might go, no, fuck you, I'm not even talking to you anymore. Yeah. She's Jesus. a good receptionist, and like, so it's weird that they tried to tie both reasons together. Because he's like, "Oh, you you hit on her, and she didn't respond, so you got her fired." And also, he didn't like the miscarriage thing, and so Bert fired him because he didn't want anything to do with anybody who knows you. What? They were That's, really yeah. <laughs> trying to slam a couple of things all together here at the end. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And so Larry's going to call Bert to see if he can get Cha Cha. This to me was hilarious because it's again. You can tell it's another real life moment that sort of shines through while they're just sort of riffing and improving because he's like, you know, she's upset, she's sad, she lost her self worth, and Larry goes, "Oh, she lost her self worth," <laughs> like very sarcastically, and you could tell that was just like something Richard Lewis threw out on the fly that Larry picked up on and, and decided to make fun of, and they could have broke, but they didn't, and I, but there's a little bit of. I don't know what you call it. It's like curb style breaking where you pick up on, on a bit of improv and make it and, and, and put a spotlight on it. And and so that's what I liked about. Oh, like he says it really sarcastically. Like it was a dumb. Oh, she lost her self-worth. Oh, well, we can't have that. Oh, so he's going to he agrees to get Cha-Cha her job back if he can use Richard Lewis's toilet on the way to work. <laughs> And Richard Lewis is not down with that because no one sits on Richard Lewis's toilet except Richard Lewis. And Larry can't believe he, oh, you sit on all your toilets? And he's like, yeah, I rotate. And oh this to me God. was, I thought, hilarious. And he's like, what about the one in the basement? He's like, that's for weekends. Uh, <laughs> that was hilarious that he, that, he, that he literally is able to pull out of his ass, haha, the, the toilet that he uses on the weekends is the basement one. I just, love, I just love this whole exchange. So Larry's like, fine, I'll call Bert and get her her job back. And he starts doing a lefty call, but Richard Lewis demands a righty call because he knows that Larry will be thrown off by trying to make a lefty call. And so when Larry calls, Barbara answers, and then she screams in Larry David's bad ear. 
uh, a nice fuck you for obviously the miscarriage joke, or at least the commentary that has made its way back to her. So Larry is driving with Leon back to the doctors. And while he's in the waiting room, Larry sees a skinhead leaving the doctor's office. Mm -hmm. And it's obviously to anybody who saw the first guy, it's not the same guy. It's just a bald guy in, again, kind of a green military jacket. And Larry squares up on the guy and says he's, you know, going to kick his ass or whatever. But it turns out to be a cancer patient who just is going through chemo. And that's why he doesn't have any hair. <laughs> and so Larry has. Uh, uh, but as the guy leaves after calling Larry an asshole, we hear Leon from a hallway about to get up in his ass. And that's when Larry has to go uh, save the, the guy. And Frolic starts up. And that is the end of the episode. Oh, right. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, indeed. I just want to mention that. Did you recognize actor who played Bert's dad? Mm, he looked familiar. I don't know who he is, though. His name is Charles Napier. He passed away in 2011. And I definitely remember him from a ton of stuff. People might know him from the Blues Brothers. He plays a, a short-tempered country singer. He is in Austin Powers as like an oh oh the I think he's like an army guy that is talking to the president maybe in one of those scenes about Doctor Evil's plans oh, or whatever. God. Okay. Um, <laughs> what else was he? What else is he known for? He's just been in a ton of again, just like a character actor. Oh, Three Ninjas, Knuckle Up, <laughs> which mm. sounds like the porn parody of Three Ninjas. Actually, yeah, it does. <laughs> that's that's the sequel. Yeah. Oh, it's it's definitely it may even be the threequel by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, no, wait. I think the threequel was Three Ninjas at Magic Mountain or whatever. And that's, um, so not, the, up. And that's not the porn parody? No, I know. <laughs> the Three Ninjas knuckle deep in Magic Mountain. Oh, oh God. What the hell? Why, is this a kid's movie? Uh, he's just like a, a, he's just a grizzled guy that's just in a ton of stuff. Um, so I, I totally recognized him uh, when I saw him in, in Curb Your Enthusiasm. So um, that's all. All right, Tim, what do we got for homework this week? Uh, I didn't write anything down because we've learned everything we need to know about Charles Napier. And uh, yeah, got nothing else. Cool. All right. I'm down yeah. for that. Uh, yeah. What do you like this week for cover art? Ooh, tough one. I mean, something. I guess something with Larry and, you know, that scene of uh, one of the scenes of Larry and Cha-Cha with her at the desk and him by the bathroom door. I, I can't think of anything better than that. What about you? Mm, I was trying to think of like maybe Larry like in pain with his ears, either in the bathroom or with the phone up to his head. Yeah. Yeah. Those are yeah, those are good. P- shoving his head directly in the toilet to flush it. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. That's that's good. <laughs> All right, so I'll make one of those work. We'll see. Uh, we'll see which one it is. Let's see what we can do about this week's description. So we had Larry regrets getting Richard Lewis's girlfriend Cha Cha a job near the office bathroom. I think it's great because everything really does stem. He regrets it in so many ways, not just the inane small talk, but it gets him. You know, there his plot to figure out what happened to the leftovers is thwarted by cha-cha she you know pops up you know before that even at the restaurant so i i think the only thing i do is take out cha-cha and i don't even know why i guess i just want to do that to make it shorter but it just seems like one of those things that's not necessary like richard lewis call her cha-cha or richard lewis's girlfriend and i feel like richard lewis's girlfriend is the better descriptor at this point because even though she's been in a couple episodes and mentioned a lot the name might be, you know, she's not a main character who might have the name yeah. recognition needed for a, but I don't know. What do you think? Um, I, I do kind of like it as is, but yeah. everything stems all of his bathroom know. problems at home, like kind of stem from it. Like I can't go at home because of this, you know, the toilet paper, like 
it, it all has to do I can't think of anything I would add to it you know like yeah you're right there's you know, no because, feasible way to like obviously make it better yeah like the ear, the ear problems stem from it the leftover problems stem from it all the storylines do intersect with with that one so I think it's pretty good I don't think we would have thought of one as good as it is no. actually no I don't think we would have yeah all right. Well, I mean, that settles that, I guess. There you go. Tim, yeah. did you like this episode? You know, I thought it was okay. I think what was holding it back, we already touched on in our discussion of it. It's that it requires so much suspension of disbelief, like even for a crazy curb storyline. Like all of the crazy storylines, I got some good laughs out of it, and they all come together in a as satisfactory a way as they can at the end considering the source material but the source material is just so to the point where i'm like even for curb you guys went out of your way to create yeah. these situations for larry yeah. david to be in so it's it's a very average episode to me which again is great but i can't give it a star or anything because there is something holding it back yeah see i had to watch this episode in two parts uh second part starting with larry going back to the restaurant to confront uh davide yeah and that entire second part was just an absolute slog for me. <laughs> and I'm like, ooh, I was, uh, I, I mean, I don't know if I would have given the first part a star or even a star low, but I'm definitely not giving it one <laughs> after watching the whole episode. Yeah, I think when the first part of the episode, I was like, this is a fine, you know, baseline episode, but the trying to, yeah, the, the second half of the episode really brought it below maybe the baseline. Yeah, even. I, I, yeah. I agree. I think yeah. we're, I think we're on the same page with that. Yeah. All right, Tim. Next week, we have got Season 6, Episode 5, The Freak Book, as we already uh, look to wrap up the first half of Season 6. Yes, sir. Uh, original air date, October 7th, 2007. And if you are looking in TV Guide that night, you are going to see a book about freaks, coupled with a chauffeur's incapacity, sets Larry up for a string of ejections. Kind of like it. I wonder if it'll hold up. Yeah, I, it's um, not bad. I don't know what it's talking about. I'm yeah. <laughs> excited to find out, though. I remember the freak book being applied. I don't remember what happens to it, but I remember this. I remember <laughs> you know this book making an appearance throughout the episode, and people being fascinated with it. Like it's like an old book about circus freaks or something like that. Not to not to hopefully spoil too much, but um, yeah, I'm I'm excited to revisit this one, uh, and hopefully the uh, synopsis, the teaser, holds up. But we'll see. Uh, so is that it? Yeah, I think that is it. All right. For No Hugging, No Learning, I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hallowell. Be good. <laughs>